，女士们、先生们。Ni hao, fans of Shufflestan, and welcome to day 16 coverage of the Beijing 2022 Olympics on Keep the Flame Alive, the podcast for fans of the Olympics and Paralympics. I am your host Jill Jarris, joined as always by my lovely co-host Allison Brown. Allison, ni hao, how are you? Ni hao, my Olympics are complete. The pair? Are you talking pairs? Are you、I'm、talking? Are you about- ta- talking about the bronze medal hockey game? <laughs> no, I am talking about figure skating, and I'm so excited to get to that. All right. Well, we will work on getting over there. It is the magical hour of vacuuming. I'm very excited to hear that because you know what happened last night. After I, I'm starting to pack up, and the Italian man looked at me and said, "They're done. You just finished, and they're done now." And I said, "It doesn't matter. Those are inter- those people. <laughs> the vacuumers are integral to my show. I have to have them." Because he was just, he was upset for me. And like, no, no big deal. We need these. We need these women. See, what I cannot wait for you to see the process, <laughs> because it is two the the vacuumers. One is in charge of the cord. One is in charge of vacuuming, and the cord's only so long. So they plug it into one of the workstations. They vacuum as much as they can. Then they turn it off. Then they move down to an, to another workstation, <laughs> and plug it in again and repeats. There's no extension cord. Cannot wait to meet these women. <laughs> well, I don't. I mean, don't accost them when you come because I don't know. They obviously, I don't know if they know me. I mean, they might know me with the fort, but I don't think word has gotten to them that they are magical, <laughs> that we care. Someone needs to tell the vacuumers that they have all these fans in the podcast verse. I can't. I can't go to what is a podcast. <laughs> Just can't go there. Magical vacuumers, you have fans around the world. No, I know. Maybe, but I do want to try to get a picture with them if they will let me. I think that might embarrass them a little, but I think maybe I can sweet talk them. I got. I got that down week to really work on stuff because、uh, scheduling stuff. So. Moving on to feed beefs, what's what's going on? So many commercials. Okay, so I'm trying to watch multiple events, so I've got multiple screens going. But more importantly, right now I have the same event going on multiple screens because literally they show one program, roughly five to six minutes long, and then show five to six minutes of commercials. What? One section, I counted, twelve commercials in a row. Whoa! Each segment will be five plus, and it will. When I was watching the free ski halfpipe after each run, five six commercials. Holy cow! Right, and this is on the this is on NBC.com. This is not on Peacock. This is not on the. Television broadcast. I tried to watch the television broadcast, but it was just re-showing things I had already seen. So I was trying to watch some things live, and so. And if you try and scroll through anything, they stop you and give you your five minutes of commercials, and they're bad. There's nobody to, like Mike and Maya to love. There's this awful GM commercial. There is, you know, Cody the crocheter. 
Which I didn't. I, then, I know who you're talking about, and I don't like him. It's awful. And then on my feed, I get all these ambulance chasing lawyer commercials. <laughs> and I'm thinking, how did you afford to buy a commercial on the NBC Olympic feed? Maybe it's cheap. I don't know. Okay, so I have an update on the vacuumers. Not only do they have vacuums, but they also have cleaning belts. So, yeah, they have a belt. It's kind of, I guess if you run, you might have one of these similar and, and tuck all your beverages in there. But they have cleaning solution. And, you know, I think probably towels to clean with it. They are ready to clean at the drop of a hat. They are. It, it looks pretty awesome. Anyway, I'm I'm very sorry to hear that they all these commercials. I'm curious to know how people on Peacock are faring, because Peacock would have been like thirty minute, thirty seconds, or sixty seconds, or uh, two or three really short commercials. But this five minutes of stuff is ridiculous. I wonder if they're trying to get you to go subscribe to Peacock. So you don't deal with this and they get the money. 12 in a row. I mean, that doesn't happen on broadcast television. 12 commercials in a row? <sighs> Tough. Okay, well, let's move on to something happier. What officiating or volunteer job would you like to do today? I saw a great one. So John Schuster, after the bronze medal match yesterday, was going through the mix zone at the Ice Cube. And there was a volunteer carrying a plastic wrapped tray where reporters, I think, had put their sound recording equipment on it. And he held the tray right by John Schuster so the reporters would get quality sound from him. Yes. Yeah, so he, <laughs> st he stood next to him like, um, an attend like like an attendant at a royal wedding, just holding the tray of sound equipment. It, it is something like that because you do. I've been in the mixed zone a few times, and you do. They when there's a lot of people there, they bring the tray down. They also have baskets, as well. So <laughs> they just kind of run in when they realize, oh, there's somebody there, and there's a lot of lot of recording equipment getting shoved out because the the athletes are a good. They probably are two meters away from us at this point. And you can't get super close to them. So, yes, they bring the tray. You deposit your recording device on there. And then when he's done talking to you, they bring the tray back and you take what you want. Well, not take what you want. You take what's yours and you move on. Well, you hope that people, that reporters are being honorable and not oh, take what you want. They are. They are. This is not passing the hors d'oeuvres at the reception <laughs> but that's what it looked like because the volunteer was also wearing gloves i realize he's wearing gloves as as a a covid measure but just him standing there with his uniform and his gloves holding the tray i was like oh would you like a canapé <laughs> i would like to go over to speed skating i would also like to tell you that the garbage bin next to me just got emptied and a new bag put in I don't think this person is quite as magical as a vacuum cleaner, but I appreciate him. So I would, I have things to say about the the bins, so that's something for when we get home. <laughs> and just put a note 
Somebody take notes what we need to talk about when we get home. I would like to go to uh, speed skating, long track. Today I went to the mass start. And there is a point where if you get lapped, you have to get out of the race. And there is an official who is there telling you, you have been lapped. <laughs> get to the side and get out. And there, there was this poor skater from Argentina. Uh, and... She was like the the pack past her kind of thing, or they were they were far away. And she's like, "Can I come to the center of the rig?" And he, no, you stay on the outside. You go around. And she kept. She went. She was done. She was so done with skating and just very tired looking, and kind of dragged herself around to the other side. To another official was kind of over there and she's like, can I come to the... You could see her, like, can I come to the middle? And no. She had to wait till the race was over, basically. <laughs> Poor thing. But, I mean, there's a clipboard involved. It looks like they're talking. They have got a radio system going on. And, and if I couldn't be that one, I'd be one of his helpers. Because I think they also have spotters alongside. So there's other people with clipboards and, and doing very official things. It would be very fun. How is our fantasy league doing? Well, I think Raf Q is going to be our gold medalist. A little more competition at 334. Monkey Cat is at 331. FF Chelsea IC is at 330. But DLN and Sholaston are at 324. So we will wait until our closing ceremony program to announce the final winners. I am in 24th. You are in 56th. One I'm more day of competition. I'm impressed I'm in 56, to be quite honest. <laughs> but we ended up with over 100 people in our league. What? Which was fantastic from all over the world. So it, it, it's been a lot of fun. And it's been a lot of fun seeing where people are. In an update, my sister is in 25th. <gasps> that could be the actual most exciting part of this, this end for me. Wow. Wow, wow. Excellent. Yes, it has been a lot of fun. I, I realize it's been fun even though I haven't played. But I enjoy the fact that we have a huge league and that people from all over have played with us. So thank you so much for participating in that. I hope you have had fun as well. Let's get into today's action. Last full day of competition. Last day of competition for most venues. So that was it's there's a different feeling in the air here. The newsroom has been a little bit more lively i think more people at least i was in an area where more people were chatting and stuff like that and venues were a little excited when the the venues that were closing the volunteers were excited i i mean there's probably the oh it's over but oh we had such a good time this has been we we did it kind of feeling and you know they've done a they've done a great job so but it's not the last day of alpine skiing because of the, the mountain score one for the mountain Score one, more like <laughs> score 27. So it uh, was supposed to be the mixed team parallel competition today. And it didn't happen because the winds were really strong. And the International Skiing Federation communications director said, when you have air fences flying, then it's a clear decision. So this was a huge hullabaloo because there's no time left to reschedule this race. So they had to have big meetings today to try to figure out, could they reschedule it for Sunday? 
they are doing so at like nine in the morning. I don't know how that shakes out the team situation because some teams were leaving, planning to leave on Sunday morning. So they may have changed their travel plans last minute, which as I see as a COVID liaison officer, I can tell you that's probably just not what you want to hear, but we'll, we'll have to see who ends up showing up for the competition and how that goes tomorrow. And I hope the weather's good because that's tough to not get in. I don't know what they do if they can't do an event. I, I don't think that's ever happened. So we'll find out. So hopefully not. Moving over to bobsleigh. We had the first two heats in the four-man competition, which means Josh Williamson competed at the Olympics. I'm so proud of him. That would be Josh Williamson, O-L-Y. That's so happy for him. He is pushing for Hunter Church for the USA. Hunter is in 13th position right now. At the top of the leaderboard is Germany, one and two. Well, I don't know if it's Germany, one and two. It's at the top of the leaderboard. It's. They don't seem to be referring to them that way anymore. Oh, that's interesting. You know, they used to call them, you know, the Germany yeah. one sled, Germany two sled. They're simply calling them by the driver's last name. Huh. That's cool. I wonder what that what that shift was. I'll put that on the list. Okay, so at the top of the leaderboard, Germany of uh, Francesco Friedrich, then Johannes Lochner, also from Germany, Justin Cripps from Canada. Christoph Hoffer from Germany, Oscars Kiebermans from Latvia, and Bradley Hall from Great Britain. Which nice to see Latvia and Great Britain within striking distance. That is correct. And we had the end of the two-woman competition. Gold went to Germany. Lara Nolta and Deborah Silver went to Germany. Mariama Yamanka and Alexandra Burghardt. And bronze went to USA, Alana Myers-Taylor, and Sylvia Hoffman. Fourth, well, we usually... The big name in this race was Kaylee Humphreys, who was uh, with Keisha Love, and she ended up finishing seventh. Not a good day. Not a good two days. What happened? She just made some small mistakes, and they just kept adding up, and they just kept adding up, sliding down. And the Canadian sled, uh, Kristen DeBrune, who meddled in the monobob also just kept making mistakes, making mistakes, making mistakes. Who did very well was China. They had a sled in the top 10, which was very surprised. And the announcers were saying, what good drivers for being such new drivers. And obviously this is the sled, uh, this is the track they've been training on. So they have that advantage. But still, I mean, we've seen some very inexperienced teams come in and just bang up the sides of the wall and they were pretty clean looking. Hmm, that's interesting. I will I'm looking forward to going back and watching that race because it's just one that could not get out to Yang Cheng in time to see either one of these because the men were early in the morning and that's really I'd probably get there right when they were wrapping up and the women are run ran late and that is when I'm afraid I would never get home. So so American Alana Myers-Taylor has five Olympic medals. Good for her. Over four Olympics. And all of her two women medals are all with different pushers. Wow. That's interesting. 
I'd be curious to know. I wonder if she'd talk with us sometime to to know how you create a winning dynamic with new pushers all the time, especially because every in the World Cup circuit, they are constantly rotating through different people. As we learned from Lauren Gibbs, you have to learn how to, to constantly adjust. Moving over to cross country today was the men's 50, supposed to be 50 kilometer mass start free race. This is where the weather won again. They had really strong winds out in Jean Jacou. So the mass start got rescheduled to an earlier time rather than later. It's probably also quite cold. And it was shortened to 30 kilometers. So that's a huge deal. And you kind of wonder, like, what, what, in a sense, what does that do in the history books? Right. And more importantly, your entire plan, probably for all the races, focuses on this race is this particular length. And my whole race plan is based on I have to go 50 kilometers. Oh, no, now you're going 30 kilometers. And on the fly, you're going to change your entire race plan. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder how that works. Something not well. Uh, uh, what, what makes you say that? Because the favorite, Johannes Klebo, just dropped out at 20 kilometers. Wow. He was kind of far behind and there was nothing wrong. He wasn't hurt. He just kind of skied off the track, took off his skis and walked away. The medals for this, the gold went to Alexander Bolshinov from ROC. Silver went to Ivan Yakimushkin from ROC and bronze went to Simon Hegstad Kruger from Norway. This, I think, is the best United States finish since like 1976. Scott Patterson got eighth place in a men's event. Okay. Right, because we've gotten medals on the women's side recently. So that's good news for the U.S. cross-country program for the men. Maybe we could find out from him how that went with training the plan or changing the training or changing the race plan. Let's take a quick break to talk about our red envelope campaign. As you know, this show does cost money to produce. And while you all have been extremely generous in supporting us through the Kickstarter campaign that got us here and through Patreon patronage, we are coming up on another two and a half years uh, until the next Olympics. So we are celebrating with lunar new year and asking for red envelopes to help get us to Paris 2024 and cover the costs that we need to for the show and to make it even better for you. So we're looking for donations of at least $8 to get us through. Go to flamealivepod.com slash support to donate. And thank you to everybody who's donated so far. If you appreciate what we've done coverage-wise for you and help, I hope we've helped make your Olympics better, please consider donating. Moving over to curling, we had the men's gold medal game. This was between Sweden and Great Britain. Sweden won 5-4 in an extra end. This is a big deal. And down to the last rock. Great match. Really, really great match. Smart play, interesting play. And apparently one of the announcers speaks Swedish because he was telling us what the Swedish team was saying to one another. Oh, oh, in the their little strategy patter? Yes. That's cool. 
that doesn't happen very often. <laughs> no, I mean, if it's Spanish or even Russian, you expect someone to have picked this up along the way, but Swedish? Maybe. I mean, if you're in the curling world, you probably do know a little bit of, bit of those languages. So this is a nice story that the Swedish skip, Nicholas Eden, this is his fourth Olympics and his first gold medal. So last Olympics, he lost to John Schuster and Team Schuster in Pyeongchang. So it, it's nice to see him get the gold as well. And in Sochi, he won the bronze. So he has a full set. Oh, that's so nice. But this one's probably his favorite, I would say. I would say so. He was so, pretty excited. So re to recap that tournament, it was gold going to Sweden, silver going to Great Britain, and bronze going to Canada. Hey, I would, I'm, I'm pleased that Great Britain won silver. That's very nice to see as well. It's a, a different team up there. Absolutely. And, and given that they're all Scotsmen, and Scotland, uh, Scotland is the birthplace of curling and the home of where all the curling stones come from. We want to see the Scotsman do well. We also had the women's bronze medal game today, and Sweden won that as well. They beat Switzerland 9-7. And nobody was celebrating harder for them than the men's team who stuck around oh, nice. to watch this match. So it was a very nice day for Sweden over in the ice cube. Okay, here we are, figure skating time. We had the pairs free skate, skating is over. Well, the competition is over. We still have the gala to go, to go. but what did you think? Malaguena! Oh, <laughs> I saw that and I went, oh boy, well, Alice is happy. Could they have gotten a newer recording that sounded like it came out in 1963? Well, I did like that they didn't go with an updated Hooked on Classics version that it was kind of a traditional Malaguena. And you know, we joke about a lot of these repetitive musics and having only one Malaguena in the Olympics reminded me why this music gets picked so often. It's so good for skating. It's <laughs> naturally got the ebb and flow. It has a drive to it. You can automatically do the, Spa the Spanish inspired costumes. So, it works. And it works because it was the only one that we heard for two weeks. That may be it, too. And you get excited because you think, oh, where are my standards? And this it's kind of like Christmas carols. You want to hear the same songs over and over, except for I don't. You know what? Go ahead. Same songs, more Elton John. Right. And you know what I would like to have hooked on classics? Imagine. Oh, <laughs> A lot of Beatles, too, the past two weeks. Yeah, it's really interesting how that has been popular this time around. But, I, I mean, we got to do better. we got to do better than imagine. And this time there was a variation on a theme. We had a lot of sad girls in unitards. Yes, there were a lot of unitards. But those last group and a half of skaters. Mm -hmm. Wow. This was, and I hope this was true in the arena. This was the best skating we've seen for two weeks, just in terms of the excitement. Obviously there's a Chinese pair. Oh, <laughs> was, yeah. It, I felt something from a lot of these pairs. Oh, well, that's good. I'm glad you did. 
Oh um, no! I did not. I I have to say I'm I'm sorry. I think at home was better. I did not have a monitor at my station today. They don't have them at every desk, but I. So I I was going off of what I could see, and I was maybe halfway up the arena, and there were a lot of very flat programs, a lot of scared people, a lot of very nervous people. It seemed like there were a few few performances I really loved. And even when they so badly messed up, there were some that I really loved. But I, I think the men's competition was better for me. I think that was that was the one that made me feel more. And I Sway and Han, who were the favorites and everybody was cheering for, did phenomenal except for a little bobble by her. And that, I think, was like, ooh. Then I was worried that they weren't going to be able to pull it out. And they pulled it out by... Very small point differential. I believe it's less than a point. Oh, yeah, much less than a point. But they did it, and they were beautiful. And they did have a couple of bobbles, I guess. No outright falls, but the energy, the style, his charisma we've talked about. And, you know, you got to love when they cry at the end of the program. Right, right. The other one that I also loved, I, I loved the other Chinese pair too, Pei and Jing. And, and they were so unbelievably thrilled with how they did. They, the smiles were all the, all the way up to the, the rafters. It was beautiful to watch them. So it's very unusual to have the pairs competition as the last figure skating competition in the Olympics. I believe this is the first time it's happened. We talk about that. We talked about this with Jackie and the Chinese did this because you had such a good chance for a Chinese gold medal. And I think obviously they won. So it lived up to that, but having that second Chinese pair do so well also speaks to that pair's tradition in, in Chinese figure skating. Yes. Other program I really liked was the Americans, Canaram and Frazier, who ended up sixth, which is the best U.S. finish in quite a while. I, I would agree. And I believe she had a, a mistake early, early on. She in this doubled or? the triple. Okay. She doubled the triple. Okay. And you could tell that she was, but she got it back and they did quite well. The other American pair, Kane, Gribble and LaDuke. Honestly, they were beautiful to watch. I will say that. The artistry and expression was lovely on that pair. So Had I, some mistakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had some bad mistakes. But I thought perform, just the artistry and connecting was, was really nice. Let's run down the leaderboard. Gold went to China. Sui Wenjing and Han Kong. Silver went to ROC. That was Yevgenia Tarasova and Vladimir Morozov. And bronze also went to ROC, Anastasia Mashina and Alexander Galiamov. And honest to me, for those two, you could put totally different heads on them and I wouldn't know. They were very Russian. You know, they're, we got a sighting of Tamara Moskvina, who is the absolutely legendary Russian Harris coach. And her pairs tend to be a little interchangeable. They're all really, really good. And mm -hmm. that's so, what was really funny was when she stood up next to Alexander Galiamov, 
she was the same height as him when he was sitting down. <laughs> very tiny little woman. But man, do not mess with Tamara Masvina. Before we get off of pair skating, I do want to mention the Japanese pair, who is coached by Bruno Marcotte and our very own Shuklastani, Megan Duhamel, Mura, and Kahara. Gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. And nobody celebrated like they did. Kahara just was weeping. Mura is trying to console him, but then she starts weeping. They did a beautiful program. I'm so excited to see them in the next couple of years. And so exciting to see the Japanese moving into pairs and having success there. Yes. Yeah, they're so, they're, their men and their women are so beautiful. And to see a pair coming out of Japan with that same grace and style and beauty is exciting because their style is different. They're still Japanese skaters and bring that Japanese style. And yet now we're seeing it. Yeah. And I loved that program as well. So I totally agree with you on, on the whole package. It was, it's, you know, I, I feel the connection to Bruno, even though we've never talked to him, but you know, shook by marriage. That's not too bad. Right. <laughs> the other pairs I'd like to mention would be so sad about this. and Sager from, Germany. I don't know what happened because I couldn't see, but all of a sudden he could not lift her anymore. I did not watch it with commentary, so I don't know what happened either. Something gave out and he just could not lift. He had tested positive for COVID. They could not compete in the team competition because of that and were able to compete here. What, besides the fact that they had just this, the program just shut down basically. Their connection was so beautiful to watch. I will say that they connect and, and she just was like, come on, we can, you know, let's do what we can do basically. And they, I just loved watching them this whole competition. And I don't know if he was sick with COVID. Right. So I don't either. And, and they certainly weren't training for the past couple of weeks. So was it just, he ran out of gas. I mean, it's not easy to lift people over your head as you're speeding down the ice. No. And then the other pair I thought was interesting were the ninth place finishers from Georgia, Karina Safina and Luca Berlava. They are 17 and 19 years old and looked it. To <laughs> I will say that. But they skated beautifully. I thought their program was really lovely. And I thought, geez, Louise, in four years, what could they be like? He's got to grow into something and get, just get some more strength. There. It just, there was a very much a lack of presence, but there was potential there. You could see something really special. This Olympics has been an absolute coming out party for the Georgian figure skating establishment. I am here for that. They almost made it into the finals round of the team competition, which was amazing because you've got to have decent skaters in all four disciplines. And wouldn't it be nice to see Georgia come through? Because again, you're going to get, you're going to have some of that Russian style, but it's a little different and you get a little different look from them. And it's, oh my God, the babies, 17 and 19. <laughs> But those, that pair, I think, is one to watch for. 
and makes me very excited. I, I'm very excited for skating in Georgia. Okay. Moving over to freestyle skiing, we had the men's free ski half pipe final runs today. Gold went to Nico Porteous from New Zealand. Go Silver Ferns. Uh, you, silver went to David Wise from USA, and bronze went to Alex Ferreira from USA. There were two Kiwi in the final round, so Nico's brother, Miguel Porteous, finished 11th. Aww, that is you nice. had a couple. He had a couple tough runs, but man, two Kiwis in the finals of a Winter Olympics event. That is awesome. What is going on down there? <laughs> hey, you know, we're starting to see stuff come to fruition. And good for all of the Silver Ferns for plugging away at it in a country that doesn't have much of a winter sports tradition. And they're building this. And it's fabulous to see it pay off. Also fabulous was the fact that Nico got a haka for his win. And it's been posted in our Facebook group. I know I've uh, retweeted it. Besides the fact that I love a good haka, the panda ceremony girl got caught up in it. And she's... Well, she's standing there, like, next to them because they're going to do their ceremony thing. And the haka starts, and she's just like, oh, what is going on here? <laughs> you can tell. Just kind of moves out of the way. But I just... That's another little touch I like to this haka. And very admirable of the New Zealanders doing a haka at all because the conditions during this competition were brutal. So the same conditions that canceled Alpine, that postponed and shortened cross country were affecting this. It was windy. There was no visibility. It was bitterly, bitterly cold. A lot of experts that I've followed up with this should not have been run, but tomorrow is supposed to be worse. Oh, so again, they're running up to to that that end bumper. You can't keep postponing it when the Olympics are supposed to be over the next day. So this goes back to our original question of what happens when you really pick an inappropriate host city whose conditions really are not suitable. Yeah, and granted, you are you never know what the weather is going to be like. But we kind of knew what the conditions would be. But, but you know, we are also in that age of, this is still from the old bidding system. And I don't know why nobody's gotten hip to the fact that they seem to lie about, every, every bid city lies about the weather. Remember, Japan was supposed to be really nice and comfortable in July. <laughs> August. Well, this goes back to Atlanta. I mean, we ran a marathon in Atlanta in the summer. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm not surprised that it's a big shock here because we should have expected something if anybody had looked at the weather and saw what it was like. But yeah, I saw a little bit of this on the feed here. And just, it did look like, oh, bad crashes into the top, into the top lip. Not, not good. A couple of really scary crashes, but thankfully there's been no serious injuries reported from any of those crashes. And a few of them looked really scary. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of bruising going yeah. on and some headaches, 
but thankfully no reports of, of really serious damage. That is good. Let's move over to ice hockey. We had the bronze medal match for the men. Speaking of serious damage. Oh, Slovakia beat Sweden 4-0. This was just a, a wipeout. It was a humdinger in that it got very physical very fast. At one point, a Swedish player just clocked one of the Slovakian players in the jaw. Just roundhoused him and it was the frustration of you know being blanked never okay but and especially on olympic ice they don't put up with any of that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. so that was a little rough to see and he did not come back in the game and i apologize for not knowing the the player's name he didn't come back Ooh, not good not good at all but slovakia you said this is their only medal no, this might be their second medal of the games. They were on the medal table as one, and I didn't know how fast the MyInfo system updated. So this could be number two. But but still, it's it's really good for the country. As you said, that they showed pictures of what was going on in Slovakia as well. So they showed, again, you mentioned this yesterday, the film of junior players watching it at their ranks all together and then when they win they showed video of the kids celebrating as if they had been playing the game so they throw their gloves up in the air and the st- and they they all pile on each other in center ice so in in you know 20 30 do the math for me four we could see another wave of Slovakian hockey players just taking over from those kids in that one rank. <laughs> so, yes, congratulations to Slovakia. Big, big victory for you today. In speed skating, in, it was the last day for the long track competition, and we had the mass start race for the men and women today. I did go to this, and it was a lot of fun. Mass start's a weird race. As we've talked about a little bit, we don't know what's going on. And I got to watch semifinals and finals. And I think I'm getting it a little bit. So it's a 16 lap race. The first lap is just like everybody's getting warmed up and you're all like in position. And then the race really starts. And there are three different sprint laps. And my guess is to make this exciting. Because otherwise people would just be going around really slowly for 15 laps and then sprint to the end. (laughs) So these sprint lamps are spaced out evenly throughout the race. And if you win the sprint, you get three points. Second place in the sprint gets two points. And third place in the sprint gets one point. If you get like five points, you advance to the next round automatically. And then they take the top six. So if you don't score points, then it goes to like time after that. So, and then winning the race, they get huge bonus points. So it's like 60 points for first place and 40 or something and 20. I I did not remember the, the exact numbers there, but it's this huge differential in points. So that, That means like usually the top three will automatically go on. But if you get points in the sprint event, even if you finish back behind somebody, 
you would overtake them because you got the points in the sprint rounds. And then the weird thing about this, though, that I don't, that I still don't understand is in the final, that all doesn't really matter because the final is the top three finishers because they get the most points anyway. So it doesn't really matter if you go all out in the sprint round and get those sprint points. The only thing that could happen that might work for you is you go out hard. Your race strategy would be to go out hard early on and have a lead and keep your lead. And nobody can catch up to you because you're so far ahead. I've seen this happen in a couple of other races where somebody's just decided to jump the gun on like lap five. And then nobody can catch up with them because they're they're just hanging back and they can't accelerate that fast. Or they want to stay with the pack because they figured that this guy will bonk out and be sucked back in. So it's kind of interesting to, I'd, I'd love to talk to somebody and hear about the strategies that they put together for the race. And when do you decide to sprint? When do you decide just, I'm going to stay in the pack for this race and then go for it at the end or how that works. So it's, it's a complicated race. This is only the second Olympics that it's been at. I've forgotten about that. It was at, it was introduced last time at Pyeongchang and I think it's a fun event, but I also think it needs a little refining maybe to be a little bit more spectator friendly. But for the men, we had gold went to Bart Swings from Belgium. Silver went to uh, Jung Jae-woo from... Silver went to Jung Jae-woo from Korea and bronze went to Lee Sung-hoon from Korea. It was very exciting to see Belgium get the gold. They were very thrilled. It was a photo finish at the end, though. And who lost out on the photo finish race was USA's Joey Mantia, who missed the podium by two thousandths of a second. Yeah, this is one of those few sports that uses thousandths. Yeah, when they need to, they have to. And he was hoping that there would be a, a replay look. I don't think so because they awarded the medals. But that was rough for him and it's one of those he was really right in the mix and it's that final sprint when do you take off how long do you go how hard can you go how fast and that's kind of a it's a fascinating little bit and there were some crashes and lappings and all of that jazz this was the last race of Sven Kramer's competitive career and producer Brian was asking why Sven Krama was in this race at all, because there are many, many Dutch skaters who have fared better than he in this Olympics. And I think something you just said, there are many crashes. And I don't know how keen a lot of those Dutch superstars are to getting involved in mass start. I don't know because there were there were a couple of people from the Netherlands throughout the the races. Sven actually won one of the sprints. He did really well in one of the sprint laps, and I when he pulled out, I'm like, oh, here we go. He might do something, and then he just fell behind. He just pushed it too hard on the sprint, and that was that was it. So it, it's interesting to see that dynamic of. Endur necessary endurance plus the sprint element 
and how you manage that physically. So we say, I don't really think they say, say Alfiderzain in Dutch, but it's the best I got. <laughs> but you, you hold your Alfiderzains. Maybe, I don't know. In the women's mass start, Gold went to Irene Schouten. <clears throat> Gold went to Irene Schouten from Netherlands. Silver went to Ivani Blondin from Canada. And bronze went to Francesca Lola Brigida from Italy. Or as the in-house announcer would say, Lola Brigida. Well, I think that's actually correct. <laughs> it was very nice. I loved this in-house announcer. He was fantastic. You maybe were saying Auf Wiedersehen to Claudio Pechstein who was in this race as well? Yes, I we have not talked about her all Olympics. Claudia Pechstein is turning 50, I think next month. So she is the oldest woman, I think, to ever compete at the Winter Olympics. She has been around since the, the Stone Age. Or 1992. Close enough. And... How she's still standing, never mind skating, is amazing. Right. She So she also did what Sven Kramer did and was in the mix in the sprint and then just kind of bonked out. This is a tough race, I think, to manage and have a good strategy for because I bet you get sucked into thinking, oh, maybe I should go. They're going. I should go too. And it's it's really really tough there was a japanese skater at the end of the women's who was right in the mix and on that last turn she lost her edge went flying oh that was so sad so it was a really good competition for the speed skating event i think this time in beijing at the end of the night after they did the whole podium ceremony they played a little Zoom choir of Old Lang Syne, of, of Chinese children singing Old Lang Syne. To say goodbye to the ice ribbon. That's right, and see you in 2026. We have one more shuckless on watch. One more. Josh Williamson will be back in the sled with Hunter Church for the bobsled four-man runs, three and four. Excellent, Josh. So glad you're, I'm so glad your event was at the end. <laughs> so glad you get to compete. Hope you all do well in the sled and in, have a good time and enjoy how you finish. So we would like to thank today's location scouts from Kickstarter. That is Steve Schiavone and Kimberly Lucas. And we have a mascot for each half of the Olympics. And this half coming to an end almost is our mascot, Millie. Listener Claire pointed out that there has been another Olympic mascot, Millie, from Sydney in 2000. That Millie was a spiny anteater. Our Millie is way cuter. <laughs> That's true. I, I have to say, Millie, our, our Millie is very cute. I don't think you would want to scratch the spiny anteater's ears the way you would want to scratch our Millie's ears. Well, we appreciate you, Millie. We're so glad to have you as a mascot. And that is going to do it for this episode. Tune in again tomorrow for the final day of competition. And celebrate the games with us for a couple more days on our Keep the Flame Alive Facebook group. It's the place to hang out with other listeners 
Jill is on Twitter and I am on Insta. Both are at flamealivepod. You can email us at flamealivepod at gmail.com or call or text us at 208-352-6348. That's 208-FLAMEIT. We will catch you back here tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, keep the flame alive.